Hi, Jackie. Hey, Ramona. How are you? I'm good. It's a rainy day and I'm sleepy today. Yes, I hear you. This weather does not inspire me to go out. It just makes me want to like curl up on the couch and finally get into Downton Abbey. <laughs> well, listen, I know you've, you've been avoiding it, but let me tell you, um, you're going to love it. Okay, well, I'm, I'm two episodes in and I'm, I'm sold just strictly by the dresses alone. Anyway. Yes, I tell you, I'm a huge fan of the costume drama. <laughs> so today was a really interesting topic um, because it's something we really haven't addressed before, but we've actually talked about it with uh, various listeners, and that's um, what we call womb wounds. Yeah, womb wounds are interesting to me because until we started to have this conversation around it I'd never really thought of it before you know what I mean like I I would think yeah you know women go through these different things in their life and they're unfortunate we have miscarriages perhaps an abortion if we had to or you know problems with fertility etc 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 but I don't think we really um, think too deeply about what that does to us to our psyche and our emotional well-being. Right. And, you know, when we experience menopause, it's almost like, you know, the nail in the coffin in terms <laughs> of like those, you know, it, it's really for some women a reminder who might have struggled with fertility that, you know, this is, this is no longer an option for you. And there's, you know, it's not just that, but it's entering a different stage of your life, which can some sometimes be triggering as well. Um, so, you know, we experience so many emotions in connection with any loss to our physical wounds. And I think this discussion with our friend Terry Swan um, really brought a lot to the surface. Do you want to tell everybody who Terry Swan is? Yeah, sure. So Terry, um, Terry Swan is a director of compassion and nurturing at Womb Cocoon. So she's an advanced online grief recovery specialist. She deals with people who are struggling with grief or don't even recognize that they're going through grief, like perhaps you and I with menopause. Um, but she, she acts like a guide for them to help them move beyond that loss into a life that's a little more about completion and recovery as opposed to staying stuck in that state. And she joined us because we talk a lot about grief in our everyday life, whether it's family, friends, or like we said, some issues from our past, but we really don't talk about the fact that, as you said earlier, when we go through menopause, we experience a different kind of grief. Absolutely. So, you know, if you're listening and you think, man, this sounds like a downer, <laughs> it really isn't. It's actually, um, it really helps you process some of the emotions you may have buried deep down inside. And um, it's definitely worth a listen. So um, have a listen to Terry Swan. Hi, Terry. Welcome to She 2.0. Hello, Ramona. Great to see you again. You too. So um, 
we're going to talk about an interesting topic today that maybe some of our listeners are like, why are we talking about this? And that's grief. (laughs) Um, You are a grief recovery specialist. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that is? Sure. So what I do is I take people through a process um, online over seven weeks to move them beyond grief and loss. And, you know, a lot of times uh, when folks hear grief recovery, it sounds like those two things don't fit together in the same sentence, that we, we can't possibly go through a loss and get to the other side. Mm-hmm. But um, grief, grief recovery was started back in the 70s by a gentleman by the name of John James, who lost his infant son. And really nothing that he was, um, he didn't find anything that was moving the needle for him mm-hmm. about, you know, moving forward. And so he created his own process. And, uh, you know, 40, 40 years later, here we are. Yeah. And I mean, I think a lot of people listening would go, well, why, why are we talking about grief on a menopause podcast but the thing is we we often associate grief with um loss of a loved one but there's grief can come in so many different forms and different transitions in our life whether it be job loss divorce um, becoming empty nesters or even being in menopause so there's a lot of things that can trigger grief am i right absolutely i mean just even right now we're in the time of covid which is so much loss. We, you know, we're, it's in its transition. We're, we're the loss of the lives that we all were used to. You know, we've been in, on lockdown for a year and a half. The loss of health, the loss of seeing our family, the loss mm-hmm. of working at an office with colleagues for a lot of people, you know? So yeah. it, it, it's really multi-layered, even just in the times that we're in right now, there's a lot of loss. Loss of for our children going to school and having those, you know, normal, <clears throat> excuse me, those normal realities. So a lot has shifted and, and, you know, we're in a lost and transition stage right now as we speak. I think um, a lot of women will probably, to Ramona's point, be surprised that we do think of grief when we think of menopause, because I certainly never did. Um, Terry, I've had some appointments with you, not related really not related at all to grief. Um, In the past, uh, we did some color light therapy um, for some pelvic issues. And that's when you and I started to talk about grief. And and I had spoken to someone else in the field, um, in the menopause world, um, a few years ago, who talked about grief. And it really did catch me off guard that we don't think of grief in terms of the transition from being fertile to completely, you know, infertile and in you know, it's that loss of options, choices. And for many of us, we were fortunate to have kids or to have done what we wanted to do with our reproduction. But many women, especially those who go into early menopause, lose that opportunity. So there's a certain kind of grief that goes with that. 100%. And And the thing that we know about loss and about grief is that it's cumulative. And it's cumulatively bad. So what that means is if you have got other things that you haven't processed uh, around loss, and it could be something from when you were six years old. Mm -hmm. Uh, It could be, you know, like you said, the the loss of, you know, you're going through menopause, your, your, you know, your, your period stops and all of a sudden 
you know, that those infertility issues that you had 20 years ago or the early onset of menopause is now triggering the fact that you didn't have children. And so it's bringing all of that stuff to the forefront again. Yeah, because it's a loss of hope. Right. Of hope Mm. and dreams and expectations. And so it is loaded and it's layered. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and it brings with it this sort of gift if we're able to really dig in and look at, you know, um, what's happened in the past that hasn't been processed and how and why is this showing up for me now? And, you know, what is it, what is it trying to teach me? What is it trying to show me? Yeah. So what is the difference between grief and depression, really? Well, depression, you know, I think grief, there's common responses to grief when we have a loss. And so, you know, they could really um, mimic each other. And so we have to be careful. And, and you know, I, I'm, I'm not a medical professional in the sense that I could diagnose depression, not something uh-huh. for a doctor to do. But, you know, things like reduced concentration, which could also come with menopause. We know as our mm-hmm. hormones are fluctuating mm-hmm. and changing, we, you know, you're standing in a room, you, you, you what, what did I come in here for? Why am I here? <laughs> you know, yes. we've all been through that as we're going through the hormonal change. But, you know, there are these like certain sort of common, I would say, grief responses. And mm-hmm. so what are those? It's, they, they are very similar to depression. It's, it's a, you know, reduced amount of concentration a feeling of just numbness, mm-hmm. you know, of like, there's no um, aliveness there. Mm-hmm. Um, disrupted sleep, which also comes with menopause. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we're sleeping too much. We're sleeping too little. We're getting interrupted sleep. A change in eating habits, which is also common in depression. You know, grievers will often report that they have absolutely no appetite or they can't stop eating. Mm-hmm. They're just eating all day long. I'm the eater. You're the eater. Yeah, I think <laughs> you know, the emotional response is sometimes that's what brings us comfort, right? Yeah, we, yeah. We yeah. want to feel something. And so it's very common. And, you know, grievers also go on this sort of roller coaster of, of, of energy, up, down, up, down. You know, my clients will often say, I, you know, I don't know. It was like Wednesday at like three o'clock and I just couldn't stop crying. And it's like that loss happened, you know, they, they, they try to apologize. I don't understand. It happened two years ago or, you know, they, they're trying to connect the dots. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's that, or it was recently and they, they don't, they're up and down, you know, so grief is there, there is no linear process mm-hmm. to, to grief and there's no right way to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. And grief is much like our own experience with menopause. Everybody experiences it differently. Um, and perhaps in different magnitudes. Um, and, you know, I think, like, there are, like you said, there are signs to grief. Is, and I'm curious to know, the signs of grief that you just spoke about, um, you know, the, the distraction, um, the mood swings, um, you know, just like the general malaise or not sleeping or whatever. Are those similar to... Um, the stages of grief that we typically go through with death? Well, that's a, that's a great question because, you know, the two got mixed up a really long time ago and it, 
it's this curious thing that kind of got stuck in the, the societal sort of construct of what grief is. So people will say, oh, this stage is a grief. But in 1969, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who was a psychiatrist, she wrote this book called On Death and Dying. And it talked about the five stages that we go through when we get diagnosed with a terminal illness. And those five stages were denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and then acceptance. But because there was sort of a lack of any other good information out there, it somehow got translated into the stages of grief. Mm -hmm. But it's just not so, because I'll give you a perfect example. If you've ever lost something really important to you, whether it's been a death or a health loss, you're not really in denial about that. You know, you know it's happened, Mm -hmm. but you could be in denial if you had a terminal illness. You could be, you know, not wanting to accept that you're going to transition at some point. So that's a very, that's a very real stage when you're dying, but it's not a real stage in grieving. So the two got mixed up and then it's sort of stuck. So people think that we have these stages of grief. There really isn't any stages of grief. There are common grief responses, which I just Uh mentioned. But I mean, I can give a perfect example of just, you know, losing my aunt 26 years ago and five years went by before, you know, it's not that I didn't grieve. I did, but there was one particular day where I had this incredible day. I wanted to call her. And then it was like a tsunami of grief hit me. Mm -hmm. And it had been years and it was like, I can't call her in this moment. You know, so that's very real. Those are the the very real things that we go through when we're grieving. And there's no timeline on that. You know, we could be five months out, five years out, 25 years out. You know, I totally, I can relate to that in like so many different things that have happened in my life. But like, I think like, yeah, just because you may hit the stage of acceptance, which, you know, I think eventually we, I hope that we all do to bring at least a bit of closure in whatever grief that we're dealing with, but it's still often creeps up again in your life. Like you say, like, you know, I'm a cancer survivor for the most part. I accepted that journey, but I had, you know, when I was going through treatments and doing all those things, I was surviving. So I wasn't thinking about that journey until it was all over and the dust settled. And then suddenly it hit me like a tsunami. Like, what did I just go through and what just happened to me? Same thing with losing my father um, and things like that. Like it just, you know, my dad's been gone for several years now and I've accepted that but then something will trigger a response where I just remember him and I'm so sad that he's not here right yeah I think often in grief too what happens is that you know there there's another thing that's really interesting too around grief is that there's been this languaging around grief about closure Mm-hmm. And when we've lost something that's really important to us, and you, you both can speak to this, and you know, I'm, I'm really imposing it as a question, we don't, I don't think we ever get closure. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody's lost a child or they've had a major health change where they've lost um, you know, a way of being because of health, there's no real closure about that. But what I've found from being a grief recovery specialist and, and, you know, knowing um, and and journeying with grievers 
is that what usually happens is people don't get emotional completion. Yeah. So there's all this undelivered emotional um, communications that don't happen. And it can even happen in, in the cases of our health loss. Uncommunicated is like us communicating them on paper, in a journal, mm-hmm. you know? And those uncommunicated um, emotions, they, you know, emotion is energy in motion. It has to go somewhere. And when mm-hmm. we've, we put the lid on the pot or we think, I'll deal with that later because I've got a busy life and I'm... Whatever is going on, I mean, it's 2021 and we're women and, you know, women are working and raising children and going through all these different stages when sometimes it's just, I don't have time to deal with that right now. I'll catch up with it, whatever it might be, but it, mm-hmm. we have to pay the piper at some point. It's funny too, because I, a friend of mine a few years ago lost her father and they were very close and obviously, you know, it was very tragic. He was sick, um, but even if someone dies suddenly, I don't believe, I don't believe either way it's a better scenario, but um, we talk about it a lot, um, her and I, and it's interesting because my perception of grief and grieving and loss is different now because I think she's right. I don't think um, we, and you're right, we don't get closure, but grief changes us. It fundamentally changes us and we become different people. We can't help it. And I don't think we ever get over anything. I think we go through stages where it becomes less debilitating, but it always stays with us. Sure. Agreed. And, and the thing that debilitates us is maybe the un, these, these unsaid communications that we had where we wished, you know, everybody knows that person who lost somebody suddenly. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a girlfriend who lost her husband suddenly, you know, and so all of a sudden that becomes about what could I have said or done or, you know, been better at or more at to ease this because, you know, maybe, you know, maybe there was something uncommunicated with the husband or the sister or the whatever. We all know those people or have those relationships in our life where it could so easily be us. Yeah. And so when we don't get to have those communications finished, um, then, then that is energy, once again, that has no place to go. And so yeah. what grief recovery does is it takes you through a process to, to process mm-hmm. grief and loss. And so you're actually moving through it. It's an action plan. Yeah, you're well, not ignoring it. And when we talk about communication, I think that's such a good point because when we relate it to menopause, a lot of women feel isolated around the subject right. and they're not communicating with their partners or, or loved ones or family members about what they're experiencing. So they're almost carrying this grief on their own and there is no resolution to it, so to speak, because they're bottling it up inside. And it's not just the mental changes that we deal with, but you may come to terms with the fact that you're in menopause and maybe you're no longer fertile. And like Jack had talked about like that, that brings up a lot of old wounds for some women, mm-hmm. but then there's the day-to-day grief of stuff that, um, that you deal with like sexual dysfunction or the impact 
on your relationship, whether it be the physical stuff or the emotional stuff, your body's changing. There's like this, there's so much changing with you with menopause that it feels like it's like this (laughs) evolving grief, so to speak. Yes. Yeah. It's cumulative almost. And especially right now, um, you know, anxiety and depression, which are common with menopause, they're even more common now because of the pandemic. And it's really hard to separate right now. I think for a lot of us, like what the hell is happening? Like one minute, I feel completely hopeless about my life, even though I'm working on something that I really love. I'm just like, ugh, you know, and you know, this languishing that happens. But it's also like this, this everything coming together, you know, and it's pandemic, it's, it's menopause. And like you said, when you start to realize that grief is tied to menopause, you realize, oh yeah, like there is some unfinished business in there that I'm, but I would have never thought of that until we spoke because in my mind, everything was all kind of in different compartments right. and they're not like, I, I think like to what we said earlier, like the fact that we're losing our fertility and our options, whether we want more kids or not, it's taking that choice away from us and start to question whether you did everything you wanted to do because you're like, holy hell, like the opportunities are gone, just gone. Right. And I mean, the, the loss is, it, it's not just one loss in menopause. You know, some, some women are celebrating the fact that they're not going to have their period anymore, but then, you know, let's say there's vaginal dryness. And so this, their sex life isn't the same. That is, Mm -hmm. that is a very real thing that women go through in menopause. And so it's like shifting, shifting times of like trying to be with what is and what's unfolding while still grieving the loss of what maybe what was, you know? And so, but because, you know, you're in, menopause is a transitional period it and if there has been any other loss that hasn't been dealt with it's going to get triggered because you know we I always say we're meant to be a processing plant not a holding tank and anything that's in that holding tank from from wherever you know going back to childhood could potentially get triggered when there's transition because Mm -hmm. if it hasn't been dealt with like it's just kind of waiting to bubble up to the surface That's really interesting to me because I won't go into any detail, but I had a trauma from childhood that I literally forgot about for 10 years. Right. And someone very close to me um, passed away when I was in my 20s, and I was having a really hard time dealing with it. And right after the funeral, I went home and um, I had nightmares all night and in my nightmare this sort of past situation revealed itself so I ended up kind of brushing it away for a long time and then I ended up in therapy for 15 years coping with it but it it was gone like I I had no idea I was shocked when I remembered it that I couldn't remember it and it was this tragic thing in my life that brought that situation back up for me I'm so sorry to hear that, first of all, and I'm, I'm glad that you got to the other side of it. But, you know, the, our human brains are really interesting in the fact that we, we take trauma and we take, you know, things that are, that are really painful for us and we do um, compartmentalize them so that we can move forward. 
So, you know, you'll often hear of people who have had something traumatizing or very emotional happen to them and they won't remember it for years later until it gets triggered by something else. So, you know, I'm not surprised to hear that. So I can see why women, um, you know, as they are kind of transitioning between even like perimenopause and menopause, or even just the beginning of perimenopause, when you realize, okay, it's coming and I'm on the path, it probably is very triggering for, like like you said, situations that have happened, like um, situations with fertility comes to mind the most, um, because it is such a, it is the first thing I think of with menopause, like, right. there goes mm-hmm. your chances. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. but, you know, if you've done something in your past, like I'll be open and say that I had an abortion in my 20s. Um, it was a bad situation and it wouldn't have worked out. And then when I decided to have my daughter, I couldn't keep any of the pregnancies. So I had four miscarriages and it really made me think karma, first of all. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I have a beautiful daughter. I love her. Um, I couldn't have any more than her. And now that I'm in menopause, it does come up for me. Like, oh, you know, I did I screw that up? You know, what would that, how old would that kid have been now? You know, it just, what would my life have been like? And it does bother me to think about it. I think that's also so common because, as you know, Jackie, the work that I do with Womb Cocoon is working with women and around child loss, like post-abortion, post-miscarriage, failed IVF, or, or losing a child through illness. And, you know, one of the things that we do in grief recovery is we do something called a loss history graph, where we go back and we look at all the losses. And this was actually so revealing for me many, many years ago because, you know, my 20s were um, really filled with a, a lot of loss, but I, I kind of was just really struggling. I didn't know why. And when I went back, when I was going through grief recovery myself and, you know, sort of took stock of those years, there was 23 losses in a six-year period. And, you know, it's a lot of loss. And, but I think that when most people go back and look, they've had a lot of loss. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it gets, it becomes this cumulative thing where, and we don't, I mean, I was honestly astounded when I went back and looked at my own graph and went, oh my gosh, you know, because you forget about certain things, you just move on, life gets busy, you, and our culture, unfortunately, is, is not that great at moving through loss and grief. You know, Indigenous culture, if you look at Indigenous culture, they have these beautiful rites of passage and ritual um, you know, to, to move their people through grief. And, you know, even let's just even talk about COVID, you know, we've had these reduced, my grandmother's, my grandmother passed away last December and I had to watch her oh. funeral online. Oh, I'm so there was only, I think it was like eight or 10 people allowed there. I mean, I accepted that and it was, you know, but mm-hmm. this is kind of the reality of, of where things are at right now. So we don't even have those proper rites of passage. Mm-hmm. You know, that we're being sort of denied those things, which once again would, you know, add to the grieving process. So you can see that if we don't, as our culture and our society, if we're not even equipped to properly deal with death, we are definitely not equipped to deal with women going through menopause. Right. And we're not equipping men, women to find a way through it themselves. Right. I mean, I... I, places like France, I'm, you know, have, are so much better at 
looking at the complete picture of what a woman might be going through in menopause. And they're looking, you know, I'm sure that I read an article years ago about um, maternity leave in France is like, I think double or triple what it is over here. Does anybody know the exact figures? And I think they have a, a program too for, pelvic floor physiotherapy or something like that. Yes, they do. Everything's yeah. better in France. Everything. Viva <laughs> <laughs> France. Yeah, but they don't even have a French word for Kegel because um, pelvic floor physio is covered for women after childbirth. Ramona and I were speaking to um, a brand over there. And we were shocked, quite honestly. And they're very accepting of menopause. It's like a je ne sais quoi, whatever, I'm in menopause, I'll eat a baguette. Like, yeah. <laughs> they don't get shamed and put out on an ice flow and aged out of their career. Right. It's very different. Yeah. It's a do more you, accepting culture. Go ahead. Sorry, Ramona. No, I was just going to ask, do you think that women deal with grief differently than men? I'm just curious. I would say yes. I think the culture is slowly changing, but as women, we are like not, I can't speak for every woman, but I mean, mm-hmm. if you think about the relationships that you have with your girlfriends and other women, we are more emotive and we are definitely more emotionally connected. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean that we still won't stuff things. Mm-hmm. We do. But as a general rule, women are, you know, they're willing to sort of um, consider the, you know, digging in or taking the lid off. I think it tends to be an easier process for, for us because we're so natural at speaking to our mm-hmm. girlfriends, speaking to our sister, mm-hmm. you know, with those um, incredible connections that we weave as women. So mm-hmm. I would say yes, that they, they do tend to grieve a little bit differently, which doesn't mean make it better or worse. It's just, yeah. 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 Um, how, what, what things could we do to, help us through grief like how how do you have any tools or any recommendations for us to like help us through that journey well you know the first thing that I would say is that it you know if to sort of be able to recognize first of all if you're even in grief you know by the common responses the reduced concentration the numbness disrupted sleep but then there's the the over Overeating, overspending, you know, over, if you get overly angry, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to necessarily be a grief response, but just shedding some awareness on that. And, you know, I think I would say to look into processing the grief because otherwise, no matter what it is, whatever that loss is, it needs to be processed. It needs mm-hmm. to be moved through. And when we don't, move through processing the grief, that's when we get ourselves into trouble. That's when, you know, we're in the kitchen, you know, eating cookies or, mm-hmm. you know, drinking too much wine or doing whatever we're doing in an attempt to numb the uncomfortable feelings that are coming up. Mm-hmm. Because as a society, um, you know, we've been sort of taught to do that is, you know, to numb. And so we want to take a look at like, how can I dig in? And I had somebody ask me last week, um, you know, when is the right time to do grief recovery? I think as humans, we like to avoid pain, Mm -hmm. Uh right? It's just our general rule. Like if it's painful, who wants to go in? And if it's emotionally painful, even more so. Everybody's had their, you know, been in a relationship where their heart's been broken and, 
you know, we want to, what do we do during those times, right? And so the grief is the same thing. It's emotionally heartbreaking. And trying to move through that process is not maybe necessarily something that we would normally dig into. We wouldn't think of like, yeah, let's run towards that. Yeah. But on the other side of it, I think it frees us up from so much, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, it makes the space for Mm -hmm. us to start to recognize the behaviors that might be behind really what is just grief. Mm -hmm. Do you think that like when we're talking about grief, the one thing I just learned by talking to you is, um, you know, the steps of grief. I always thought that was like pretty in stone. Um, Although when I've gone through my own grief and I look back, I didn't really have that same process in the same order. Um, Are there other myths around grief that we've become sort of led to believe that are wrong and maybe we should change our thinking a little? There is. And, you know, there was so much awareness shed, even in my own you know, journey with grief on this. One of the biggest myths that we hear is um, just give it time, right? Everybody's mm-hmm. heard that one. Yep. Just give it time. You're going to move through it. You're going to be fine. Time heals all wounds. Right. <laughs> yeah. All wounds. And, you know, the, the analogy that I give my clients is if your car broke down because it had a flat tire, you absolutely would not sit down beside the car with the flat tire and just... <laughs> Give it time. Just give it time. <laughs> Somebody stops by. Do you need some help? No, nope, I'm just giving this tire some time. <laughs> I'm going to give it some time. You have to do something. You have to take an action to move yourself forward to get your tire fixed and get back on the road. And the same thing is, you know, when it comes to grief and loss, we there is no amount of time that's going to you know, change that, that loss that we go. We might expand around the loss. We might grow. Like you said earlier, Jackie, loss changes us. Mm-hmm. So we become a different person, but it's not really the time that's changed us. It's the awareness that came from the loss that changed us. Yeah. Right. And it's not to say that you're not going to blow a tire again, right? <laughs> that's, that same tire can blow and you have to do the work again to get it back on the road, right? But if but you, you do it the first time, then you kind of have the tools for the next time, right? Absolutely. And the grief recovery is a process. It's mm-hmm. a step-by-step process that builds each. It's like a framework. And so then you learn how to process the loss. And you know, the truth is our human experience is that we're going to experience loss. It's pretty much the guaranteed thing that we're all going to experience. Pet loss, divorce, like you said, health loss, menopause. And, you know, another really common myth that I love to to discuss because it was so paramount for me and and maybe both of you could speak to whether or not this has shown up in your life is replace the loss. Hmm. And what I mean with what? Like, okay, think of um, the example I'm going to give you. When I was seven years old, my, my family, we had this cat adopted us and we didn't have any animals up until then, probably because my parents didn't want to look after it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> they were working people. So, um, 
this cat adopted us and then he was uh, hit by a car and killed. And my father, in his attempt to try to soothe us, said, don't worry, we're going to get you that dog. So he was teaching the pattern of replacing the loss. Right. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that pattern played out for me in relationships. I could never grieve the relationship. I would get into another relationship straight away. And I connected it back to the cat when mm-hmm. I was seven because my father taught me that what we do is we replace loss. Mm-hmm. We don't deal with loss. He was trying to, he was well-meaning. He was yeah. trying to, yeah, and this is, but what came through is replace the loss. And you'll see people, um, you know, in relationships, that's one example. Or yes, right? They Good were- example. They just like, they jump right in with the next person two, you know, two feet at once, just to not have to feel the pain from the last relationship. Right. Now has replaced the loss shown up for either one of you? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, probably. I'm sure that it has. Like I'm, I'm trying to think of the time when it has, and I'm sure, I'm sure that it has. I can't think of one off the Actually, top of my head right now, but I don't think I, I don't think I replace it. I think I shut it down. I think I was kind of, I don't know where that came from, but I shut it down. Like I don't think about it. I don't feel anything. And then it'll hit me like a ton of bricks when I least expect it. But I think I'm doing okay. And I'm like, wow, I, this is actually not as bad as I thought then. <laughs> Whammo. I'm back in my therapist's office. Which leads to another really popular myth, which is don't feel bad. So we're going through a loss. And what happens is the people around us are trying to comfort us in our loss, whatever that might be. Maybe we're crying because we're in menopause and we get told, don't feel bad, don't cry. So we're, the messaging that we're getting is shut it down. Shut it mm-hmm. down because this over here is making me feel uncomfortable because I have probably some grief or something I haven't worked through and it's bringing up all that stuff. So don't feel bad. Don't cry. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, that's true. The widow who says, you know, and I, I actually just heard this story recently. The widow told me, you know, I, when I was crying, my, my husband's friends would tell me, don't cry. And so I just stopped crying. And I didn't cry for years. And then it all came out, you know, because I thought I had to keep all of my stuff together. So I, it would make it look like I was doing okay. And I wouldn't upset anybody else. Like, but that's I, the I, thing. I like, okay. people don't know how to deal with other people's grief as well, right. right? And you hear people say inappropriate things at a time when someone's grieving because of that discomfort. And I'm sure you've heard a ton of inappropriate responses to someone who is grieving. Have you? Oh, for sure. I mean, the classic don't for the person that's had their fifth miscarriage, your fourth miscarriage, Jackie, don't worry. You can have another pregnancy or another child. Mm-hmm. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. You don't want another pregnancy. You wanted the one you just had yeah. and lost or yes. adopt or do or whatever. Like there's yeah. so many options and it's like, but right. it doesn't matter. Like as, as women, we feel like it's, our duty to do this or it's it's what we should be able to do and it's unfair when that option is taken from you right and then we hit menopause and you know all of that stuff comes up again Mm -hmm. 
because now we're going through this, this loss where there's, I mean, the myths are, and you know, people aren't meaning to, to cause us harm, but what they're doing is they're speaking to the intellectual side of something that's actually a, a broken heart. Like usually loss affects us at the heart level, not at the head level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, trying to make somebody feel better is a really good intention, but like for me, you know, don't worry, you'll get pregnant again or whatever. That wasn't necessarily true. I mean, I didn't know if I would, and I didn't know if I'd ever have a child. So I, the inauthenticity of it just felt dismissive somehow. Right. And you know, it, it, for all, the, all those reasons, you, you know, you're thinking when you're in that moment, you, you don't know what's around the corner. This might have been your last chance. Yeah. And it feels grossly insensitive. You know, everybody that I have dealt with as far as grievers, they all have the story of somebody who said something thinking that they were comforting. But in actuality, it made them actually feel worse. And so when we when we go through and learn how to grieve, what's interesting is the awareness that we build helps us be around other grievers and not mm. do those things anymore. If we have been the one to say, don't worry, give it time. Yeah, and to be fair, if you haven't yet experienced grief, it really, like we've talked about, it changes you. But if you haven't yet experienced it, you really have no clue yet. And so you might be one of those people that are like, oh, it's okay. Or, or, and I'm sure we've all experienced grief at some point, and maybe we don't label it as grief. but. Um, I don't know. I, I just feel like, you know, there, there's a lot of people out there that may not know yet what it feels like to experience grief like that, you know? Well, it definitely is a different type of grief with menopause, as you said in the beginning. And I think why it is tricky and why it might be surprising to women that menopause does come with its own component of grief. We're not just losing our ability to have children. We are losing our youth, our connection to our like our relevant connection to our careers and society we're told we become invisible like we're losing our our beauty our pride our our youth like it does make us just the way we're treated the way it's perceived the way people refuse to talk about it makes us feel um shamed somewhat you know maybe even stigmatized right which very stigmatized that you lumped into all those other grievers who are not able to openly grieve. Like pet moms, you know, the people that lose their pet and like that was their everything. Mm -hmm. They can't really talk to anybody else, but because they feel silly or, you know, if you, if, if your dog was your, your, you know, your person, you know, that is something that, you know, so those, or the woman who has the, the abortion and can't, talk to anybody about it because she feels shame and stigmatized. Yeah, you know, absolutely. These type of silent grief too, I think it only amplifies because, you know, we, we learn in grief recovery that grievers isolate, but I say stigmatized grievers like go into hiding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense to me. There's no, there's nobody to openly discuss these things with, without feeling judged or feeling like, um, that, you know, I, I would, menopause would be one of those things. Yeah. Can you, yeah. The loss of, go ahead. Sorry. 
No, no, I agree with you. I think menopause is one where if, if you weren't talking to another woman going through menopause and say you were talking to a group of younger women who weren't even in Perry or your mom or your husband or his friends, they would all look at you like, what are you talking about? Right. You mean you're grieving. It's a, it's like another phase in your life, you know, but you do grieve it because this is, you know, the back nine. And this is where we start to worry about our health. You know, when menopause happens, we lose bone density and all these things like it ages us if we're not careful. And so there is a lot to grieve there. It's insensitive to think that there's not, but it's also surprising to think that there's something to grieve there. And so really the question is, how do we allow it to be uh, celebrated? You know, how do we embrace the transition even though society is not set us up for that, how do we, you know, boldly go forward and celebrate this amazing transition as women that, you know, is going to move us into, I mean, we, the, the great thing about menopause too, is you gain so much wisdom because you're, mm-hmm. you know, you, you're, you know, so much more than you didn't when you were in your twenties, thirties and forties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that you, you approach life in a totally different way as well because of that wisdom. So yeah. it is something that could be celebrated and embraced. And also, you know, if, if the other grief is coming up, most likely it's because it wants your attention. You know, it's, and maybe now this is the time where you can um, excavate it and then move into that next transitionary stage you know, from a place of joy and freedom. Yeah. Recover. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Recover. So I think it's important for women to just be aware that this is a stage that could trigger that, but also um, like you, you touched on um, like grief connected to like a loss in like the physical womb, whether it be like abortion or a miscarriage or failed IVF. And I think you, you term it as like womb wounds, right? Like, can you talk a little bit about your healing programs and how you support people? Sure. So um, womb wounds are really when we have anything that's unprocessed in regards to our womb. So just those things that you just mentioned, which also then would get triggered by menopause. And so I um, have a, a few programs Um, Number one is I work online with clients over seven weeks. And, um, you know, my business rate from the start was always the intent. It was I was online before COVID. And that was very intentional. The reason that I did that is because um, if, you know, if I'm working with somebody who has been stigmatized, um, you know, by the grieving process, let's say, for example, they've had an abortion and they don't want to go to a place necessarily where there's a shingle where everybody knows, you know, what's going on in that office. They want to be in the comfort of their own home because maybe there is shame and they're working through that piece as well. And we're also in that time and space where we can do that now. So it's much more convenient. So we work online, um, you know, each week sort of building the framework to, to process and move through loss and grief. Now, another program that I do have when we're not in COVID is um, I work with Color and Light, a color and light system that I have been um, distributing and practicing for over 13 years. That's called Aura Soma. And it's really using color and light 
to um, build awareness and um, shift consciousness. And so I use that product line um, also engraving because there are certain colors, um, specifically violet, that are just fantastic for any kind of transitions. But, you know, Jackie and I have, have, I hope I can speak about this, Jackie, but the work that we've done, um, I was pioneering a treatment on the womb using color and light. And so I call it my Harry Potter light pen. (laughs) (laughs) It looks a bit like a laser pen, doesn't it, Jackie? It does. I thought you were yeah. going to hurt me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, and then the office, maybe you can share a little bit about what that experience was like for you with the color. I, I use the color and light like as an, an acupuncture points, non-invasively to open up energetic points on the womb. So I had, um, well, I had a lot of, I guess I always had stomach issues growing up and then definitely through my period and um, even after Maddie and my hips and everything. Um, when we did that treatment, it was, it was strange because you don't feel anything. Like I was lying on the table. I did fall asleep on you once. Um, but it was weird because the one time you were doing the treatment, I was twitching. Yeah. And, but I was so relaxed. I didn't know why I was twitching. I was like, oh, my God, I just twitched right in front of her. Um, and then there was one time, one of the last sessions we did, I think, where I felt really emotional. Mm-hmm. Like, I, out of nowhere, felt really emotional. Like, and I, mm-hmm. I remember, like, leaving there. And on the way home, I was, like, teary. Like, what the hell's going on? What has she done to me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I felt relieved. I felt great. I had a good sleep. Like I felt kind of relieved. Like I don't know how to really explain it. I felt like letting out a huge breath, you know, like my whole body just kind of let out a huge breath. So what happened actually for you is when my clients would, when they twitch, that's a sign that their body's releasing energy. Mm-hmm. So that's what I want to have happen is I want I want for my clients to twitch when they're on the table because it's their body's holding on to energy and the light and the color moves that energy out of the body. So the twitching, um, also sometimes clients get emotional, which is completely normal. I've had clients like cry on the table Mm -hmm. because once again, they're holding Mm -hmm. and that's energy is, you know, emotion is energy in motion. It's getting stored in the cells. And so the light and the color helps to shift and move that. So I do do um, a treatment on the womb when we're not in COVID. And then I'm developing um, a retreat for women to come and, you know, work with me over a period of, you know, five days and we'll, you know, be in retreat together and go through loss and do the color and light work. Wow. That will be amazing. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Well, you'll have to give us that information when you get it and we'd love to share it. For sure. I mean, it sounds, it definitely sounds interesting. And I think there's a lot of tools here that people can use to help support their grief. And even just, I hope this discussion today has um, triggered someone to really think about how they're coping with their own grief, whether it be their transition through menopause or even any other loss that they might be experiencing right now. Um, thank you, Terry, for your time today. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed this chat. I, you know, thank you for having me. I appreciate well, it. Thank you. It really, it was an eye opener of a topic and we are really excited to have you on because we were thinking 
are we going through grief with menopause? And now that we've had the chat, I am definitely going through grief. Yeah. And I'm probably going to numb later with some wine. <laughs> <laughs> Don't follow Jackie, everybody. That's her answer to everything. Wine. Wine and baguettes. <laughs> wine o'clock. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Terry, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you.